0: The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.
1: Devontae martin Manley has a nice wall, steps through it. To the 40, to the 50, to the 40, to the 30, down the sidelines, to the house! Well, they say with their punt returner, Devontae Martin-Manley, they first want him to secure the ball, just make the catch. Oh, he did so much more than that. Officially 83 yards now on that punt return.
0: Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. We have our first of two weekly reporters' notebook podcasts. This one featuring Susan Dank, who looks back at the Hawks' win over the Western Michigan Broncos. You'll also hear some of what Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz had to say on the weekly Big Ten coaches' call. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include Brent Balbonad and Marv Cook, as well as sports reporter Scott Docterman of the Gazette, the Hawkeyes Susan Dank, and Steve. Patterson from the Quad City Times. Be sure to check out Marv Cook's X's and O's show and Scott Doctorman's Reporter's Notebook podcast this week. The Iowa Western Michigan game highlights are courtesy of the Big Ten Network with announcers Wayne Larravee and John Jansen. A terrific job calling this, as is always the case when Larravee is involved. We very much appreciate it and thank them. (laughs) Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz participated in the weekly Big Ten Coaches Conference Call. Here's some of what he had to say about the play of his offensive and defensive lines through the non-conference portion of the season, about Minnesota this year compared to 2012, about Minnesota's offense, and about Cavante Martin-Manley's punt returns.
2: Well, I think we're making strides. We're not there yet by any stretch, but, you know, the guys have worked hard. They worked hard in the spring and uh, camp, and then certainly I think, you know, we're, we're... probably a little further along than we were last year at this time, which we need to be. So it's, uh, you know, so far so good, but we still have a lot of room for improvement. I think the big thing, they're they're a more mature team, to me at least, you know, looking across the line. Uh, And they were 4-0 last year at this time, but they, they, I think, clearly are a more mature team than they were a year ago. And, you know, they they committed to uh, playing some good young players a year ago and even before that. And and I think they're they're, uh, benefiting from that right now. It looks like their guys are very well coached. They're on the same page, and, and they're playing really hard, and they're playing physically. They just look very comfortable doing what they're doing. I don't know how, how much has changed schematically, maybe the percentages, but they're they're big and they're physical up front. they got a lot of big guys, and I'm including their tight ends. Their fullback's an excellent blocker, and so it's uh, tough. And Their best running back's up, but their other two guys are doing a great job. So they really have three outstanding tailbacks. And then the other, other big part of the equation, which they had with Gray a little bit a couple years ago, but they've got a quarterback who's, who's I shouldn't say a quarterback, they have two quarterbacks that are playing really well and using those guys extensively in the running game game as well too so it's uh you know it's a tough preparation (laughs) oh you know the the thing that happened the other day uh number one he fielded the ball and that was uh part of you know one of those was a rugby kick so you know he got the ball and was able to you know field it cleanly and that that's a challenge but he, he makes good decisions you know regarding that and that that's a good thing and then the other part is uh uh, he was smart about you know letting the blocking set up and, and the guys did a great job. I mean, both both those returns. Uh, he didn't do it alone, but he, he certainly got it started, then he finished them. and Kamate's not a burner. That's not his forte, but he is I think he's a pretty smart runner and uh you know, it's, that's at an important position back there certainly. So we're really you know, it was great great to see it Saturday, but just pleased with the job he's doing overall.
1: Second down. Rudock fakes the handoff. Open it up. Great execution on the play fake, finding his receiver, and then the receiver, just a great job, Hillier, of finding weaving his way to the end zone. Third touchdown pass of the season for Jake Rudock, making his fourth, and for Jacob Hillier, his second touchdown reception. The Hawkeyes increase their lead on this nice play. They hit the seam to Hillier from 22 yards out.
0: Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Quad City Times. Time now for the first of our two weekly Reporter's Notebook shows, this one with Susan Dink. You can read Susan's articles in The Hawkeye and online at thehawkeye.com. You can also follow Susan on Twitter at Susan Denk. Susan looks back at the Western Michigan game and more. Susan, Iowa
3: exercises its Mac demons. Finally, a blowout game, 59 to three, over Western Michigan. They broke a two-game losing streak to that school, plus a two-game losing streak to Mac schools. who was total dominance in all three phases. So many records and storylines, it's hard to know where to begin.
4: That was a game that Iowa desperately needed you know, after the start to the season. You know, they had won their last couple of games, you know, but they weren't the big blowouts. And and I think everybody kind of expected a blowout against Missouri State. And you never know against Iowa State. And then to finally have that game against a team that had beaten them the, the only other two times that they had played, I think it was just a huge confidence boost for this, you know everybody on this team, the coaching staff, the players, and a great way to head into Big Ten season.
3: Scoring about every possible way you can. Four TDs by the offense, two each by the defense and special teams. The last time an Iowa team scored four different ways was in 2003 against Buffalo.
4: Yeah, it, it was just so much fun to watch. You know, they started out kind of slow, you know, that first drive they get down to the one yard line and they had to settle for a field goal and it just kind of was a feeling oh here we go again they're going to put together these drives and just not be able to finish and then all of a sudden you know you you get the return from Cavante Martin Manley and then instantly that second return and things just really kind of changed at that point and then obviously DJ Lowry and those two interceptions he returned you know it was great for the offense to finally do something great for the defense to do what they always seem to do and then Martin Manley who just seemed just about every return he's had was just a fair catch and it was great to see him do something and actually break through.
3: Was the highest scoring game for the Hawkeyes under Ferentz since 62 points against Northwestern all the way back in 2002. One of the things that happened there uh, coming out of that game is the uh, Hawkeyes get their first two Big Ten players of the week in quite a while. Martin Manley on special teams, Laurie on defense. The other important thing coming out of this game, and we had talked about it in each of the first three games, I was reserves finally saw a considerable amount of action and in fact got most of the playing time in the entire second half.
4: They did and that was great to see you know finally Weissman gets a break, he doesn't have to carry the ball 30 plus times Jordan Kanzari, LaShawn Daniels even after his fumble came back out and they got him 13 carries, even a quarterback we hadn't seen a backup quarterback in a very long time and finally got to see a backup quarterback and actually uh, you know CJ Pizarre looked really good and showed something with his feet and showed he has a really good arm, made a, a spectacular path out there in the fourth quarter, and it was just great to see all these young kids get out there and get some playing time, which in the last couple of years, you really haven't seen much of.
3: It's kind of hard to figure out what Western Michigan actually is, and P.J. Fleck, their head coach, said after the game, Ferentz said to him, it was just one of those days, but that's a team that played really well in tough losses to both Michigan State and Northwestern, so you know maybe it was just one of those days on Saturday, because they certainly were dominated in every aspect.
4: It could have been. Uh, I know they came in, I think, 114th in the country against the run, and obviously Iowa went crazy with that 258 yards on the ground. Uh, They did miss their leading receiver. I think he only played the first series or two. Uh, He had two catches for 11 yards, so I think that hurt him. And their quarterback, he was pressured so much. Um, Iowa didn't have a sack, but I think they had seven quarterback hurries. They broke up a couple passes, batted from down. So all day he was just under attack, and I don't think he ever really got his feet under him and was able to make any good throws to get any
3: kind of passing game going. Iowa ran 76 offensive plays. They are averaging 81 on the season, and here's a flip flop from last year. They were last in the Big Ten in that category in 2012. They're leading the Big Ten right now. As you mentioned, it was a run heavy game again. 58 rushes, 258 yards. 15 of 18 passing for 188 yards. Time of possession really interesting in this game. Iowa very dominant, 36 minutes plus. And interestingly, enough, in the fourth quarter when the game was already out of reach, Iowa completely dominated in that category with nearly 13 minutes of possession time in the last period.
4: Oh, well, it's kind of crazy looking at those numbers. I mean, the way that they were scoring, you know, they had the, the back-to-back punt returns from Martin Manley. So, you know, they didn't have possession then, they just went back to Western Michigan and then the interception returns. So it was just kind of funny that they dominated so much when, you know, they it wasn't necessarily that they were scoring on offense all the time, you know, but they did do a great job with the run and you know taking time off the clock controlling it that way and it seemed like they didn't quite have the hurry up offense that they had had the first few games it seemed like they took their time and kind of planned things out and they did a really good job you know not having that hurry up but yet having a good offensive rhythm
3: you mentioned this a couple of minutes ago amidst all the records and the hoopla it is important to remember that this offense iowa's offense once again struggled early certainly the entire first quarter they did however get a score on their opening drive for the first time this season but you had the ball inside the 10-yard line And couldn't get a touchdown, had to set for a field goal
4: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they can do You know, obviously they had been struggling the first several games And then really put it together, this one But they did go off to a slow start I don't know if that's just how they're going to, to be starting If you get off to a slow start And it's kind of hard to say, you know Especially against a defense like this They should have been able to go down, especially on the 1 You know, to get it in And they first can go the 7 And get down to the 1 And then just couldn't do anything Even Whiteson was stopped for a 2-yard loss And that's why they had to go for the field goal. And then to come back and go three and out, you're just kind of sitting there going, oh no, it's going to be the same thing all over again. But then to come back and that next that next drive, you know, great field position starting at the 45. And then they converted a fourth and three, which is kind of surprising. You know, it's not usually a fairness thing to go for it on fourth down, but the 12-yard the, the pass converting it. And then finally breaking through for that touchdown. You know, maybe there is something. Maybe they will start clicking. You know, you really see Jake Brudock improving, you know, game by game. And, and, you know, some of the receivers, you know, getting more playing time like they did on Saturday, hopefully that'll just kind of propel them forward.
3: Yeah, I wrote in my game notes on that first drive that I actually blamed that more on the play calling because it was like Greg Davis was bound and determined they were going to stuff it down Western Michigan's throat on that drive at least. And at a couple of points, especially inside the 10-yard line, the Broncos literally had 11 men in the box and Iowa was still trying to run the ball.
4: And I wonder if he got too uh, wound up in well, they're horrible against the run, just run, run, run. And you know maybe if you had Weissman in there every time, but you were having, you know, Damon Bullock in there, who is a good back in his own right, but he he doesn't, he's not the bull that Weissman is who can, you know, break through and, and, you know, carry guys with him for a couple of yards. I don't know, they had I think one pass attempt that entire first, and it was incomplete. Luckily, there was, you know, for them, there was a Western Michigan holding
3: call. So it was
4: very interesting to watch that, you know, where they were running, and they did have some success, and then just kind of stopped, and they they just continued doing the same thing.
3: It seems to me, looking back on it and watching the game a second time, they became more balanced as the game went on. And even though Iowa had 58 running plays, the yards gained on the, in those two categories were did not reflect that disparity. They ended up with 188 yards passing, 258 rushing. Their average per completion passing was 17.1 yards, where their average per rush was 4.4. So they were able to get more done in the passing game in one respect than maybe we've seen in the past couple of games.
4: Oh, absolutely. And it, it felt like it was a lot more balanced. you know, that they were throwing a little bit more, you know, than maybe the stats show. Big game by Ray Hamilton. He was the leading receiver. He only had three catches, but it was for 39 yards. And they kind of spread it around a little more. Tried to get some of these guys more involved with it. Huge 54-yard pass to the Mon Powell. Finally seeing that speed that everybody's been talking about and getting him out there. So where it is run-heavy, you know, it really felt like it was a lot more balanced than it really ended up being.
3: Yeah, and eight different receivers caught passes, as you just mentioned. Another really impressive performance, I thought, by Jake Rudock. Once again, poised it showed progress and played well both in the run and the pass and in this game in several instances he sh- showed he was willing to step in- into the pocket and take a big hit in order to complete a pass
4: he actually he was flattened a few times and you just kind of gasped as he went down but he was able to do that and he's looking better and better I think as I said earlier and and as we've seen he can run the ball he's not afraid to do that he's not afraid to if there's nothing and he's being pressured to throw it out of bounds you know that hasn't been an issue he seems to be a really good decision maker. So it's been fun watching him progress, and I think it's even going to be more fun during the Big Ten season.
3: He had a beautiful touchdown pass to Powell, and, and he had a nifty TD pass and run after catch to Jake Hillier, and that's the one where he really took a hit. I think Scherf got beat badly on the left side of the line there, but... We also saw our first uh, action by an Iowa backup quarterback since the Insight Bowl in 2011. C.J. Bethard came in, played pretty well, actually, hooked up, as you mentioned, on that 54-yard pass completion with Powell, which is Iowa's longest offensive play of the year, and he also looked like he wanted to run quite a bit.
4: He did, and he said afterwards that he really enjoys running the ball, and it looks like he can do so. You know, it's kind of been a surprise that both of these quarterbacks have some mobility, and it's nice to see, because as James Vandenberg always said, he is. Not, he was not a running quarterback, and you could tell that. C.J. did have some good runs at, the, I think, the second series. You know, he gained, oh, eight yards on one play and four on another, and he really had no problem bringing that ball down and, and running with it, and I didn't look like he was afraid to get hit, either.
3: And Rudock had some big runs, one of which was called back. Interesting little statistical symmetry again here on this point. Both quarterbacks ended up with 30 yards net rushing, and then focusing on rushing. This was not a game where they had to rely on Weissman he only had 10 carries. Jordan Canzeri had a nice game. He gained 73 yards, was the leading rusher for Iowa, and LaShawn Daniels overcame a fumble early. And in fact, a lot of the media folks were speculating on Twitter that we wouldn't see him again until the 2014 season, but he got back in there and finished with 54 yards on 13 carries.
4: Yeah, it was, it was good to see all those running backs get in. Kirk's always talking every week, you know, we, we're going to get these guys in, and we're going to see Daniels more, and we're going to give Weissman a breather, and then just never seen to happen. So, you know, it was good that that Weissman only got 10 carries and got a chance to kind of get a breather and and take a a little break before the next game, because I'm sure he was sore from that Iowa State game. And then to see Jordan Canzeri finally come out and and do something, we hadn't really seen him do too much for quite a while now, and and Daniels to, to get 54 yards, and it was just good all around to see everybody get out there and actually do some running. You know, Damon Bullock struggled a little bit, you know, had some short runs, couldn't really break some, but, you know, as the game progressed, he started looking better and better. So now they're really going to have some decisions to make with what's going on. Do they spell Wiseman some more? Do they keep him in there as long as things are working? You know, how are they going to handle the whole situation?
3: Well, it sure gives Iowa the opportunity to have some significant change up in the running back position going forward in a way that they've been able to prove they can actually do it now, too. So let's look at the defense here. It was a stellar performance, really, by the defense. The best of the year, except taking into consideration how overmatched Western Michigan's offense was in this game. But in that first half, Iowa only allowed four first downs and six yards rushing. They finished <laughs> the game allowing Western Michigan to have nine first downs, only 74 yards rushing, 209 total yards on 58 plays.
4: Yep, just absolutely dominant performance. I mean, their first first down didn't even come until midway through the second quarter. And it, it was just absolutely amazing what this defense was doing. But like you said, it was also Western Michigan was very overmatched. Got their leading receiver, and you know they didn't really have much of a running game their quarterback was their number two rusher and he only had 10 yards so not really much going on but it was you know great to see the pressure on the quarterback they had seven quarterback hurries. they broke up two passes said no sacks but they really did a great job and then, of course bj's two interceptions and also one in the end zone by tanner miller
3: one of 14 on third down conversions that's a stunning stat right there she said a lot of blitzes i began to feel sorry for van tubergen because he was he was taking some big hits and you could tell, I wrote one time that halfway through that second half, he was completing more passes to the sidelines than he was to his own receivers. He
4: was. He, I think he was just, he was expecting that hit, and I don't think he. after, you know, a few he wanted to take it, and I, he was throwing away more balls than, than I think I've seen in a very long time by a quarterback. He, he really you know couldn't get into any kind of rhythm. The offensive line was just totally dominated by Iowa. It got to be, it wasn't fun to watch him scramble around and just throw the ball away, so he just didn't
3: get flattened. Yeah, the standout defensive play of the game, it's hard to pick one, but really a standout performance by B.J. Lowry. Two pick, six plays, a single game record for Iowa. And then you mentioned the Tanner Miller pick in the end zone, which is the second time he's done that the last three games. And, and that Miller interception killed what was probably Western Michigan's best drive of the day. It
4: was, and it's funny because coming into the game, you know, there's a lot of talk about all the big plays that the defense has been allowing. And then for them to step up and do what they did with B.J. and, and Tanner and, and making those huge plays instead of giving up the huge plays. And you know, I think that's a huge boost to confidence for that secondary and for the
3: defense. Yeah, we've talked all, all season long about the importance for Iowa's defense to stop the 20-plus the yard pass completions, and, and they were pretty effective in this game. The other thing that kind of got lost here last Saturday is, is linebacker James Morris had seven tackles, including one tackle for loss. But with those, he became Iowa's 15th leading tackler all time. That's pretty... Impressive impressive. It
4: is pretty impressive, and I think he's gone about it pretty quietly. I know there's been some grumblings you know, in the fan base that maybe he should be doing more than maybe he's shown, you know, but in his position, you know, he's basically the quarterback out there, and he's you know calling plays and, and moving that defense around and, and telling them what they need to be doing, and he's just done a really, really solid job over his entire career, so to move up the ranks like that and still have most of the season left to go is just great for him.
3: Special teams play, again, all, all the focus on Cavante Martin Manley's back to back punt returns for touchdowns, 83 and 63 yards. That was about as exciting as it gets inside Kinnick Stadium there.
4: It was. You know, it's not something that you see much. In fact, 2008 was the last time that Iowa had a punt return for a touchdown. And, you know, you see these guys start going and you think, okay, you know, it's going to be a pretty decent return. And then all of a sudden you can kind of see it develop. And it does get really exciting, you know, as he just keeps running and running and then you can see that he's going to make it to the end zone. It really does get exciting. And I for the fans that were actually at Kinnick, you know, it was a really huge boost for them. And to say, wow, we have something here, and they get very excited about it. It was fun to see.
3: Fun to see any punt return that wasn't a fair catch.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I, I thought that's about all he could do. You know, he never took a chance, and I don't know what changed this game. If they had seen something on film, if he was just seeing something out there on the field, I, I think the latter ones, he had sun in his eyes and couldn't really see what was going on, and that's why he fair caught the last couple. But <laughs> it was good to see some kind of return from Camonte. From,
3: uh, uh, n- nearly broke Niall Kinnick's record in that regard. But I know the Western Michigan coach, Fleck, said after the game that they switched to that rugby-style punting because they're supposed to bounce two or three times before they're caught, and it's supposed to make coverage easier. However, Martin Manley caught both of those on a line drive and yep. had terrific returns as a result. Also lost in everything else was Mike Meyer's solid performance. He hit his 50th career field goal and a school record 99 consecutive made PATs.
4: That, just thinking about that number <laughs> relating to football like that, just kind of boggles my mind that he's been out there 99 straight times, and he's, he's kicked it through the uprights just a solid, solid performer, just very consistent, and they know they can count on him, and on special teams, that's something they really need.
3: As we close out today here, what's your sense now of this team overall? We're through the non-conference part of the season. I think a lot of people were really wondering what this team was going to be like after that opening game loss to Northern Illinois. And then they bounced back, win three in a row, head into the Big Ten with a 3-1 record.
4: It really is hard to get a sense of them even now. You know, They obviously did a great job bouncing back from that first loss, but they weren't Dominant against Missouri State, which I really thought they would be against an inferior opponent like that, and then you know Iowa State just kind of throw that out as always close. You never know what's going to happen there. But then to come back and have this dominant performance, just so great for them. And if they continue to move forward and use this moving forward, you could have you know a pretty solid season. It's really hard to say with their schedule and the opponents they're going to play how this is going to shake out. But you really you know this past game, you really saw things for some optimism that maybe wasn't there. This the previous couple of games.
3: I think most people's biggest question mark going into this season about the team was the play of the quarterback since they didn't have a quarterback who had ever taken a snap. At least in that regard, it looks like Rudock's playing very solidly and should only continue to improve. And it appears they have a solid backup.
4: It certainly looks that way. And I, I think that is, you know, a big weight off the minds of a lot of Hawkeye fans because they didn't know what was going on with Vandenberg taking every single snap last year. You know, and they. They both look like they can make really good decisions and probably aren't too prone to mistakes. And I probably shouldn't be saying that. knockwood, <laughs> <laughs> at least early on. And as they continue to grow, hopefully you know that stays true.
3: Still a long road to hoe though. As you enter conference play here, it's doubtful Iowa will be favored in any more games this season. Other than at least at the time we're having this discussion, they're a slight favorite in Vegas against uh, the Gophers, and they probably will be favored at Purdue. But they're going to be the underdogs in some very tough home games they have against Big Ten opposition this season.
4: Yeah, the Big Ten season is going to be brutal, I think. You know, it's even tough this weekend. They might be a slight favorite, but going up to to Minnesota, you never know what's going to happen. The way the Gophers play the the Hawkeyes up there is really tough. And then you just don't know what's going on with some of these other teams. You know, Michigan State right now is, you know, nobody really knows who they are and and who they could be. And and it's just going to be tough. I mean, you just don't really know. I mean, Ohio State's dominated. Michigan has... won some very close games that they probably should not have won again lesser competition. So it's gonna be a really interesting big ten season and I'm kind of excited to see how it unfolds.
3: So what you gotta do,
0: you gotta fall back at superior firepower and superior intelligence.
1: So many of the goals this Iowa coaching staff had at the outset of this ballgame, they've been able to accomplish against Western Michigan today. One of the biggest wins in terms of points for Kirk Farrens and his Iowa Hawkeyes. A 56 point margin for Coach Farrens and company. Iowa wins it big, 59 to three over Western Michigan to go to three and one of the non-conference campaign, heading to Big Ten play against Minnesota at Minnesota next week.
0: Our thanks again to BTN for the game highlights this week, and thanks to Susan Dink. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you might think about participating by phoning and making your own voice heard in our shows. Call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on hawkeyesmike.com. One passion, many voices.
2: Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it.
0: This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.